Uh, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. <laughs> Lachlan. We're doing it live. <laughs> and uh, myself, Tim. Hi. <laughs> uh, so uh, we've uh, all got our beverages, although I have not yet poured mine, which I'm about to do now. Uh, I'm having the uh, Suntory Whiskey uh, Toki. So not the Tiki, just Toki. Uh, how about you, Ruben? What are you drinking? Uh, Captain Morgan's for me tonight. Oh, that's that spiced rum, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. How about you, Lachlan? I'm having a uh, rather special uh, bottle of red, actually. It's left over from my uh, from my wedding. So it's oh, a... Oh, wow. uh, Yeah, it's been um, hidden away for a while. So it's a 2006 uh, Clare Valley uh, Cab Merlot, and it's very, very nice. Wow. Where did you, where did you find that? My... Um, my father-in-law had a bit of a um, a stash of bottles, and he, uh, he he passed away a few years ago. And my mother-in-law was sort of going through um, all the old stuff, and sort of found that he'd kept about a half a dozen bottles of this uh, this stuff from our wedding. So, because he provided all the wine for our wedding at the time, so <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, yeah that's pretty, pretty special. Yeah, that's a good little find for sure. Nice. And uh, is, is your wife going to be able to have any, or are you keeping it all for yourself? <laughs> well, it, it'd be wasted on her anyway. She's not a red wine drinker, so uh, <laughs> she, she wouldn't enjoy it. But uh, So I'll just, I'll just have to sacrifice and uh, have it all myself. <laughs> That's the way. It's tough. It's tough being a husband sometimes. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, we're, we're up to Chapter 5 this week. Um, so when we set out to do this uh, show, I believe this would be the episode we predicted we were going to finish the book. <laughs> and uh, we're now up to uh, the first half of chapter five, which puts us at maybe 45% complete. <laughs> so, there you go. All right. You know, slow and steady wins the race, right? Yes, it's... <laughs> It's not an intimidating book to look at. It's not like uh, holding up, you know, Lord of the Rings or the Bible or uh, anything like that. But uh, my gosh, it's got some depth to it. Well, that's what we say like every week where uh, we're trying to work out what we're going to do for the show. And then we, we start reading and go, oh, it's another beast this week. You know, like there's so much to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting for us to just hit a chapter and go, oh, let's just do the whole one in one episode. I don't think it's going to happen. Don't reckon. All right. Well, let's uh, let's quickly get our heads around where we were last week with a very very short summary. Um, do you want to take us through that, please, Lachlan? Yeah, sure, man. Uh, so, so really, we just found um, uh, justice of the state uh, was what we'd found previously, and then we were working through justice of the individual, which we finally sort of landed on, um, which was uh, tumbling at their feet, according to uh, Socrates. And um, the more or less they were looking at that point in time is uh, they still hadn't worked out what the um, benefit of justice versus injustice was, you know, who had the mutual advantage. Um, so that's really what we're sort of up to. And um, they uh, started to look at vice as a way to, uh, um, to sort of tackle this topic. And uh, very quickly... An old friend pops up 
usually usually we're accusing uh we're accusing plato of, of uh you know stalling but uh this one doesn't seem to be his fault mm. nah. <laughs> yeah so uh paul marcus uh just uh kicks back into the conversation at this point because he's uh having some whisperings off to the side and uh something about or should we let him get away with it or something along those lines and uh it gets gets called out and so there's a bit of a discussion that takes place they will get get away with what and yes. uh also Socrates is sort of uh i think accused of sort of glossing over something that uh uh paul marcus sees as important and then pretty quickly it sounds like everyone else is kind of getting on board with his uh with his argument so um what was he saying um they wanting that he was a bit lazy in his argument basically and that they hadn't covered off um the community of like women and children and the family life of citizens in this perfect state and uh they basically argue the point that they feel there's going to be a you know a great influence of good or evil off the back of um you know what happens in those parts of the community and uh yeah glaucon and thrasymachus all agree and say well yep let's let's pursue this and uh Socrates gets gets his nose out of joint because he was kind of happy he'd put the whole thing to bed and now he's got to go back and <laughs> dig it all back up. So he's he's a bit reluctant, but uh, I think what's it? Thrasymachus sort of says, "Are we here to look for gold or to hear discourse?" You know. So uh, <laughs> Socrates. Yeah. What does he out. says? He goes. He basically goes. Oh, I thought you guys would just agree. Um, so I was going <laughs> to move on, and they're like, "I know." But you failed to make your escape. <laughs> and I charged <laughs> on both counts. <laughs> so, what are the two things that he? Uh, um, the, I think uh, the two things that he was talking about that he thought he could gloss over. Um, women and children, and sort of the relationships in the community. I think is what uh, is the bit that they were looking at. That's right, and then he goes on to say, "I, I, I doubt. I, I don't think that." there can be much doubt about the advantages of women and children being held in common. And I'm like, that's a hell of a thing to gloss over, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, it is. Um, but just, just before we get there, there's, there's this part that really made me laugh out loud. And I ended up talking to my wife about it. When, when, when I'm going to keep calling you Thrasy Marcus because of our first episode, but when, when Thrasy Marcus, is uh, giving him a hard time. Uh, I love how Socrates uh, has a dig at him on the fly. Mm. Uh, so here we go. Um, so he goes, uh, for I do indeed believe that to be an involuntary homicide is a less crime than to be a deceiver about beauty or goodness or justice in the matter of laws. Uh, and that is a risk which I would rather run among enemies than among friends. And therefore, you do well to encourage me. You <laughs> 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 say I don't want to talk about this because it'd be bad for us to talk about. But you know, seeing as you're my enemy, let's go. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, that's the thing of this book. It, they always do sort of like roll in some little gems like that to uh, you know keep things interesting. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so now look, um. Socrates is pretty reluctant. Uh, it, it also sort of sounds like, uh, and this is a little foreshadowing, but he knows what he's going to suggest is somewhat contentious 
and I think he was quite happy to kind of gloss over this whole thing because he knows it goes against the grain in their current society and what people will typically sort of accept. Um, so, uh, anyway, foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, um, basically they, they kick it off to, and it, you know, they obviously they've encouraged him to sort of pursue the argument and they kick this off or any sort of said, well, let's, let's look at women first before we get to children. And so the, um, <laughs> just, uh, he loves to draw a bit of a parallel to uh, whatever happens in the animal world as, as I think an example of um, what is natural or, or what have you. So he asks if yeah. a pack of dogs have different duties between <laughs> males and females and um, more or less they conclude that the only difference is that the males are stronger. Uh, they all participate in the, uh, in the activities of the pack. Yeah, I thought that was really funny. He's going back to his yeah. dog as a philosopher's roots. Yeah. And, um, I think yeah, he, he wasn't a fan canines, of cats. He? Yeah, he loves dogs. <laughs> I've got to give him a point for that. I love dogs too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so from that, you know, in drawing what is natural, he's sort of saying, well, you know, this naturally follows then that um, women should have the same duties as men um, where they have the same nature and uh, education. That's a pretty uh, bold sort of statement two and a half thousand years ago. Um, and look, he, he basically sort of adds on to that, is that I suppose is that um, he was concerned that there's a contradiction between what he'd previously sort of said around um, people having one job and they very quickly had sort of segregated women as being in a different sort of category to the men. And so he's trying to sort of backpedal a little bit here to find a way that's sort of getting around this this contradiction. Um, and so what he's now sort of trying to say is that it's about the nature of the um, the skills of the person versus their sex. The sex is a, a less relevant sort of part of that conversation so long as the, uh, the nature of that individual sort of aligns themselves to a certain kind of work. Yeah, I, I really love the example he uses to to push that. And by a strange mm. coincidence, I've been watching Married with Children highlights this week. <laughs> and um, <laughs> there was this clip of Al Bundy, and um, he's getting stressed that he's going bald because he's got like a little bit of receding hair, a bit, bit like me actually. And um, But then he goes to like this help group, and there's all these guys that are just cue ball bald. And so he gets up the front and he's like, you know, I realized today two things looking amongst you guys. One, man, I miss playing billiards. <laughs> <laughs> and two, I'm not bald, you're bald. <laughs> anyway, so I happened to watch that the same week that we read about uh, this this comparison of being bald, not impacting your ability to, to do things. And um, I thought that it just reminded me of that stupid thing I watched, but it's pretty funny. Yeah, because he, he said basically, um, yeah, the parallel story was, <clears throat> you know, if you had uh, yeah, bald men versus uh, hairy men and you said only bald men could become carpenters and that we would exclude hairy men from becoming carpenters, you know, would that make sense? And they say, of course it doesn't make sense, you know, and he said, well, this is the same thing. So, I mean, it's, it's about whether they have the skill of a carpenter, not whether they have hair or not. And so uh, he, he sort of says, well, the same thing's true of women right so if they have the skill set to perform some work then shouldn't they do it 
well, it's also the desire i think right like he's just or maybe not desire is quite the right word nature was it the nature nature is the way they can yeah. put it um and and i think like they they did sort of like call out some um specific sort of roles that you know i think they acknowledged that women have sort of excelled at um things like uh, doctoring and all that sort of stuff um they sort of say yeah make some fine healers and all that sort of stuff so um the, the funniest one was where they were starting to look at were there some tasks that women performed better than men hmm. and he says oh making pancakes and um pickling things and i was like <laughs> you know <laughs> Oh, it's like you're doing so well there, uh, Socrates, as being like this, like uh, standing up there for uh, equality, and then you go straight back to the kitchen. Well, you know, <laughs> you can only play the game he knows, right? <laughs> like he's trying, <laughs> he's trying to go outside the boundaries as much as possible. Yeah, but they made the point and said, you know, that the very <laughs> idea that a man could be better at doing that than a woman is just ludicrous and it'd be an embarrassment to the woman to be beaten by a man in that sort of thing. So, <laughs> so I think the, he was using that one as an introduction to the idea that, you know, you could actually have um, a, a woman who'd be involved in the administration of the state um, and, and that's probably a pretty big sort of bombshell to sort of drop amongst the company he was in at that time, I'd say. Um, in yeah. saying that sometimes things that, that women do is, you know, may well be better than men. So maybe if they had the right nature, they should be able to get in there amongst them. They do sort of just still draw a line there though, don't they? Yeah. Like they, they basically indicate that men are generally stronger than women and yeah. Um, you know, I think it's essentially like we're talking about this before. Um, we started filming tonight. That there's like this three tier system in in this society, but then within each tier is a, a sub tier. So mm-hmm. at that top level, there's the guys, and then the girls, and then I'm guessing kids, and then but then there's a second tier, and so you know within the the rankings, a, a female guardian would outrank the middle tier man but mm. not the upper tier man yeah yeah so so there's still, there's, there's still a fair way up the hierarchy though yeah and and there's still a lot of oversight for many um in that model but it's still not but the top he does dog. but I, I i do think he opens the door for um what do they call it uh a meritocracy basically he's saying well i mean they're this if they can do it and if they can do it as good as the others then in you go mm. so it's about you know it's about how good how good they are at it i mean yeah like you yeah. say he does sort of go they're probably not going to be as good as men but you know if they if they can if they can do it they can do it <laughs> yeah Did, for sure. yeah do you think part of that is because in his head 50 percent of what he's talking about is that gymnastics side because they do talk about them participating definitely. in the gymnastics with the men and yeah definitely yeah yeah and, and look he calls it out pretty early because re- i mean really oh sorry look yeah uh, he calls it out pretty early and says something along the lines of like you know um you because know, they're saying that they should do the gymnastic they should do the education the same as what the men do and that's basically the crux of it right is the fact that they should have the same program 
um, is, is what the rest of them do. Uh, but they're sort of saying that they agree that it, this would be quite an unusual prospect and that in isolation would look ridiculous in their society. And that's where they use the example of the wrestling. He's saying, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. giving you the, the vision of the naked old woman still practicing wrestling in the gym um, by drawing a parallel to the existing situation of the naked old wrinkly men <laughs> who are still wrestling. And they're basically just saying, oof, it's not a pretty sight. I'm not sure we want to... I'm not sure if comfortable with that. But, but despite that, they, they still I think um push forward with it. I think we've um we, I think we've done a Socrates and we've glossed over a little section, like right right back near the start of this bit. Oh, what is it? Where um where, where Socrates goes, um but won't have won't but if they're training together, won't they end up having sex? You guys remember that bit? Yeah. Yeah, I do remember I to, that, uh, particularly with the gymnastics with uh, clothes on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He goes, they will mix freely in their physical exercise and the rest of their training, and their natural instincts will necessarily lead them to having sexual intercourse. Yeah. And then he goes, or do you think necessity is too strong a term? And then the guy that responds, I'm assuming it's Glaucon, said, said something that I think was bloody hilarious. He goes, he goes, necessity will be the necessity will be sexual not mathematical socrates he said but sex is perhaps more effective than mathematics <laughs> no. sex is more effective than mathematics when it comes to persuading or driving the common man and i'm like if that's not the understatement of the century i don't know what is that needs to go on a t-shirt <laughs> yeah. players republic this quote <laughs> I think it was further on because there was a word uh, that they used in, in our copy of the text. And I had to um, look up the meaning of it. Oh, I wish I could find what it was now. Mm. You're right. I might've um, shot ahead again. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, yeah. But I think it was basically sort of saying that they wanted to, um, God, I wish I could find that word now. Um, it basically meant promiscuousness. And uh, they said they wanted to kind of prevent promiscuousness amongst, but I think there's maybe talking more about the guardian class than, than the rest. Yeah. They're definitely talking oh, about okay. guardian class. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, it was, it's just a word that I'd never come across before, which, um, you know, that's not the first time that's happened in the reading of this text, but <laughs> yeah. And we're using the uh, Mount Druid edition with common words, not, not Ruben's yeah. one. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> So, um, so more or less, um, they're sort of saying, yeah. um, oh, sorry, you go, Ruben. Yeah, sorry. No, no, yeah, you guys are saying, yeah, they, 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 they sort of got to talking about the wrestling and he says something funny about, because apparently wrestling naked is how they did it. Yes. Um, but for some reason, apparently that's better. They don't really say why, but they're like, at a certain point you would have laughed at people wrestling naked but now we know better it's the best way to train and <laughs> there's no qualification there but i thought that was pretty hilarious <laughs> uh, maybe only because there's no advantage of grabbing the other wearer's uh gear right and by that i mean clothing uh <laughs> yeah that's true yeah yeah <laughs> maybe that's why the know. champions that were carved in all the statues had uh You're very right. very small wings because <laughs> they're Let's the only leverage. ones that couldn't get grabbed That's on. how they won. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, we need something cold. We need it right now, right before the fight. Let's go. Who's got a VV? Uh, oh, boy. 
But um, yeah, so more or less, they start by asking if women are capable of doing um, all the tasks the same as the men, um, or if there's some they can't, like war. Um, so that's what they're sort of getting in there. Uh, I had to chuckle that there's a bit of a, a quote here, and um, they're saying they need to argue both positions, the for and against. And I could only imagine uh, Socrates sort of impersonating uh, Thrasymachus's voice or uh, Paul Marcus's voice or something <laughs> as he sort of, you know, does this sort of flip from the other side. So um, if that's okay, I'll just read this quick, um, quick quote. Uh, then let us put a speech into the mouths of our opponents. They will say, Socrates and Glaucon, no adversary need convict you, for you yourselves at the first foundation of the state admitted that the principle that everybody was to do the one work suited to his own nature. And certainly, if I am not mistaken, such an admission was made by us. And do not the natures of men and women differ very much indeed? And we shall reply, of course they do. Then we shall be asked whether the tasks assigned to men and women should not be different, and such as are agreeable to their different natures. Certainly they should. But if so, have you not fallen into a serious inconsistency in saying that men and women whose natures are so entirely different ought to uh, perform the same actions? What defence will you make for us, my good sir, uh, against anyone who offers these objections? And they agree that this would be difficult by Zeus. I love that. I'm going to add that into my uh, <laughs> conversation by Zeus. It's um, one of those sayings that don't get said anymore. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's like, I know this guy um, who plays a lot of Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and occasionally he'll say something like, by Odin's beard. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, no one says that now, but... Why? <laughs> Why does he even say that now? It's actually cool. <laughs> so allegedly, after all of that sort of discussion where they've sort of come around to around talking about those individual natures and that maybe they should uh, consider all of this um, more fairly. Um, so if you're sort of fit for uh, any art or purpose, you should be able to be assigned to that kind of task. Um, and I think the only difference between men and women they talked about was the fact that, you know, uh, one is begetting children and the other is bearing them. Um, so aside from that, um, you know, you should have the same sort of education and the same opportunities um, to sort of move. Forward. I mean, not that it's really about opportunities, but I think really they're talking about this being the best balance for the state. And that is the motivation for this statement because they feel that, um, I suppose having um, strong women who are aligned in that same methodology is going to just sort of work better for the state than having them as a separate class doing something something different out of out of step with that. I don't know. What do you guys think? I'm still trying to find the quote. I missed the part about how men were burying them. I. I... I saw. I I thought it was something like begotted. Is that what bearing is? Uh, so women were bearing and men no, begetted children, men or be yeah. begetting children. Yeah. Ah. Okay. Hmm. They won't be forgetting them yet, though. <laughs> um. So. Uh, yeah. No, I thought they'd... I thought beget meant like making the child come into existence like they're the ones that shoot it in there <laughs> and then the, the women yeah no, that, that's born. correct yeah 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 oh yeah, so that, oh, yeah, I yeah, said the, <laughs> no 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 so that no no that's the um 
impregnating i suppose is much oh okay yeah yeah because yeah. when you said i was like i missed that there was burying them like i thought you were saying the main difference between men and women were women make life and men murder life <laughs> and i was like no what? i don't remember that yeah all right cool ignore my uh bloop on the radar <laughs> too funny um so look they're, they're all sort of agreeing on this this pathway that <clears throat> You know, you're right. We should do this um, education and um, and sort of step forward in that way. Um, and really, I think even as uh, you know, putting forward the point of you know whether they should be guardians or anything like that, they they agree that yes, they should. But um, you know, we should probably look at the you know, like with back going back to the dog example, which I think he did do. Um, he was mm. sort of saying like how the the, the males are the stronger dogs. So, you know, you're sort of going to give them the, the harder tasks maybe and um, and give the women the, the lighter load. Um, but that women would be fit to be guardians and fit to go to war. Yeah. But don't they also decide that it's okay for the females to strip when doing gymnastics? Yeah, they can, uh, that's yeah, another uh, one of their conclusions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's, there's a quote on that. Um so uh, then we have made an enactment not only possible, but in the highest degree beneficial to the state. True. Then let the wives of our guardians strip, for their virtue will be their robe, and let them share in the toils of war and the defence of their country. Only in the distribution of labours are the lighter duties to be assigned to women uh, who are the weaker natures, but in other respects their duties are to be the same. And for the man who laughs at naked women exercising their bodies for their best motives, <laughs> in his laughter he is plucking. A fruit of unripe wisdom. <laughs> a fruit of unripe wisdom. That's a that's a cracking saying. <laughs> I like the um, and let them share in the toils of war and the defence of the country. So it's only yeah. in the distribution of the labours should they get easier work. Yeah, which is probably like. Um, <clears throat> missing a trick in some senses, because you're probably going to find in, in any society, you're going to have some women who may actually be stronger than, than some men. But I don't know, I, I suppose it's probably a, a natural split in that time because of the kind of work that men already did versus the kind of work that women tended to do. So I think the difference in physique would be pretty obvious back then, maybe compared to now, where uh, Ooh, either men sitting in front of a computer may not be uh, quite so, uh, so strong. And then, you know, well, let me let me let me ask you, fine gentlemen, this question. Uh, you know, we all work in workplaces of equality. Uh, yes. Me personally, if I see something heavy that needs to be moved in our workplace, and I see a lady about to move that thing, I will move that thing. This is what they're saying yeah. here, right? So, is that? <clears throat> what do we think? Do we think that this I, is actually a good benchmark? I think as a I think there's a, a difference though, because one's, um, <clears throat> I think in your case is a, it's just a cultural norm rather than a, a physical requirement that you're stronger. I think it's just your upbringing and good manners and, uh, um, uh, what do you call that? Um, I've lost the word for it. Um, do you mean like decorum? Yeah. Or chival yeah. Chivalryness or gentlemanliness? Chivalry was the word yeah, I was looking yeah. for. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's that's a that's a cultural thing, right? What they're talking about is not necessarily cultural, but it's just he's stronger, so he should pick it up. 
you're not so let him do it you know but it, it sounds like it's more like a division of i don't know work based on that a little bit but we know but that I that's scientifically that correct i mean you look at the yeah. the whole weightlifter thing mm. blokes are just on paper statistically stronger yeah yeah but you know there's a gal in my office who does nothing but squats 24 7 and she could lift the hell out of something more than like one of the other dudes on the other side you know what i mean so no doubt uh, oh yeah, yeah like yeah. no doubt i i know a trainer that could probably put me on her shoulders who's you know has to run around the shower to get wet the rain drops are bigger than her but she could probably put me on her shoulders and do squats with me there so yeah um yeah. but you know i think there's there's no denying that the the male sex is physically generally stronger so i don't yeah. think it's a like what i guess do you think it's a a cultural thing for him to say that or is he just being logical it's probably a little bit of both i think at, at the time you'd have to think like these ideas he's got would be considered pretty absurd um and i think maybe <laughs> he even says that yeah, like he's just, yeah he says that right at the start he goes i don't want to talk about this because you you're gonna laugh at me totally <laughs> yeah yeah he he's really reluctant to to get into this combo i mean once he's in he's all in because that that's just how he is but um but he knows it's going to be a really maybe a tough sell you know I mean, Glaucon's pretty uh, accommodating in the argument, you know what I mean? But I'm, I'd be curious to see what uh, uh, Thrasymachus or um, Polymarchus's faces were like while they're having this conversation, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. you can just imagine them sort of like scolding off on the on the sideline or something. <laughs> Can't be serious, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but cool. uh, there you go, two and a half thousand years ago, uh, there you go, what you're calling it, Tim? The, the first feminist socrates <laughs> yeah the uh the white male from two and a half thousand years ago that's it. logically figured out that uh equality for women is a good thing mm. not too bad <laughs> yeah not sure you'll read that in too much uh feminist literature <laughs> because it's not entirely accurate either like there's certainly some other views he has that aren't very feminist but you know again no again given where he was and the time it's pretty good it's it's pretty modern way of thinking I, I, we've come across that a couple of times of this reading is like it's quite amazing that some of the thinking is actually fairly in line with some modern sensibilities at times um and you have yeah, to but do, think do you about think like, do you think there's a certain aspect where he's saying um because where he says you know women will, will share in war mm. you know basically if their nature is up to it yeah. But at the end of the day, we're talking about a time where you wore armor and you swung a sword around. I wonder if mm. he's saying it and in his mind is like, yeah, look, if they can do it, they can do it. But at the end of the day, there's probably going to be a sum total of about three in the whole army that can keep up when it comes to swinging a sword in an actual battle. Mm. So I wonder if he's, he's, he's underlying, his underlying idea is basically, um, yeah, look, if people can do it, they can do it. Um, but there will be a natural attrition because th there's a sense where it's a meritocracy. Hmm. Yeah, he does mention a a Greek hero, a, a female warrior at some stage, doesn't he? Who's that he talks about? I'm trying to find it. Oh, yeah, I don't remember that bit. Yeah, me either. Yeah, look, I, I don't know. I mean, um, 
I guess uh, an army is filled with different sort of classes of soldiers though as well. So I don't know, maybe there's like, you know, there's going to be this like squad of female archers or something because they tend to be a lighter build than like essentially like gladiators. quicker or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or scouts or whatever else it may well be. Um, scouts or spies and all that sort of shenanigans. So, um, but yeah, I mean, he does sort of talk about that sort of split in the duty. So maybe that's kind of what he's thinking about as well. Because yeah, you're right, true. if it's just like, you know, big heavy blokes with swords and shields there probably wouldn't be too many women that would be um matching the physicality there so um yeah yeah but yeah right job for the right person i guess is what they're sort of saying well let's uh move along uh yeah so the next part so they're, they're kind of they're kind of happy about that to a point but they're mm. concerned about the next argument uh I'll just read out this quote. Um, Here then is one difficulty in our law about women, which we may say that we have now escaped. The wave has not swallowed us up alive for enacting that the guardians of either sex should have all their pursuits in common to the utility and also to the possibility of this arrangement, the consistency of the argument with itself bears witness. Yes, that was a mighty wave which you have escaped. Yes, I said, but a greater is coming. You will of this uh, when you see next. Go on, let me see. The law, I said, which is the sequel of this and of all that has preceded, is to the following effect. That the wives of our guardians are to be common, and their children are to be common, and no parent is to know his own child, nor any child his parent. Yes, he said, that is a much greater wave than the other, <laughs> and the possibility as well of the utility of such a law is far more questionable. <laughs> Not wrong, that's a big wave. Bloody hell. Wow. Yeah, I think that's a bit. I accidentally jumped forward to it at the start, where where I said, "Yeah, that's that's a hell of a thing to gloss over." Mm. <laughs> so you can see why he's right back at the start, sort of said, "I don't know whether I want to talk about this." Yeah, yeah. It's um, <clears throat> yeah. Oh God, that's the word I was looking for. I did have it highlighted. Uh, licentious behavior. Licentious. Licentious. Is that French nice. for licentious? Meaning promiscuous, yeah. <laughs> I was like, gonna have to throw that one back in the uh, back in the thesaurus. Licentious. Um, yeah, I mean, um, I think Socrates is sort of like he's kind of dumped that out there, but he's like, well, let's kind of let's focus on the the again the the woman part of the argument here, and we'll kind of get to the the common children sort of in due course. Um, and so he just starts to sort of talk about that a little bit. They, they do, I think at this point in time, they were talking about, yeah, this is, um, about the rules about like living in that sort of common house is what you were talking about before Rubes. And, um, the fact that they have, you know, no possessions eating together and you're naturally going to have, um, you know, sex occurring in these kind of situations, but they don't want this licentious behavior because um, it's sort of going against their virtues that they're setting up for their state. So this is where they're saying that they will make matrimony sacred. And I wasn't too sure if they were implying then that there's no uh, no sex before marriage, like if that was what the implication was. Because they don't want any of this, you know, uh, you know, whoring around the barracks. Um, yeah. 
Well, I think they're. I think you're kind of right. I think they're wanting to make it specific times only. Well, I think they land on that in the end, but maybe at this point in time they hadn't quite worked that out yet. Um, yeah, because he says that it follows that we we must arrange for marriage. Hmm. Make it a secret affair. Yeah, which I thought was quite interesting, really. Um, anyway, I guess they they kind of uh, you know keep sort of tumbling on this this kind of topic for a while and land on a different kind of uh, solution for it. Uh, yeah, I think it kind of goes hill from it goes downhill from there. I'm reading it, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah, marriage is sacred. Yeah, okay, I'm on board, I'm on board, and then they keep going on, and <laughs> then they're like, oh, you know, but you know, a sacred marriage is one that produces the most beneficial result. I'm like, yeah, all right, that's interesting, and then they start talking about breeding birds and animals, and I'm like, where's this going? Where's this going, Socrates? And um, yeah, he basically lands on he basically lands on eugenics. Hmm. Well played. <laughs> yeah, talk about going down a slippery slope, huh? What it reminded right. me of, and um, I'll, I'll tread carefully here, but what it reminded me of was I was watching this um, documentary a few years ago uh, about one of the Middle Eastern countries that's Islamic. And there was a loophole for prostitution, which was you could get married to the prostitute, have your way with the prostitute, and then get divorced straight after. So that was their loophole of getting around the fact that you can't hook up with a prostitute. And right. I think this is similar. I think they're saying you get married at this event and mm. it's for that event. And then once that event's done, that's over. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Oh, just, so just when they the... say marriage, they're talking about consummation, <laughs> not really talking about like a lifelong commitment, like what we think of it. Yeah, so they're, they're basically ordaining it as this is a um, religiously acceptable time for you to be together and for you to have your special cuddles. And then once this festival's over, that relationship's terminated because that function's no longer required. <laughs> special cuddles. <laughs> <laughs> Just for those playing along at home who aren't familiar with the eugenics, so basically he's sort of saying that <clears throat> they should selectively breed um, the best of the best guardians together to ensure the ongoing superiority of their people. Um, That's so, a Sparta idea. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess it is. Um, yeah, and they're saying that it's the rulers who would sort of um, who would dictate this and do it in secret. Um, well, that's right. They come to the conclusion that they come to this conclusion that um, yeah, we want to breed the strong with the strong, so we can have the best possible people in the state. And then, well, naturally, how do you orchestrate that? Hmm. And then, obviously, the only way to orchestrate that is from the top down. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny because, and look, it makes sense to a degree, right? Um, as far as the top down bit goes. Um, and you can understand why they would want to do that in secret because, you know, people are going to get their, their backs up, right? That, that That's... Yeah. You're impinging on their on their, their freedoms as a person, right, to choose their mate or whatever it may well be. Um, yeah, our rulers will employ a great deal of fiction and deceit for the benefit mm. of their subjects. 
Yeah, so I, I'd uh, highlighted this one as Noble Lie Part 2. Yeah, I think this might be bigger than the first one. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, starts to unravel. <laughs> yeah. So the way they, they, they scheme to do this is to, uh, you know, utilise a festival, as Tim was saying, um, and bring the brides and grooms together um, with him and sacrifice. Not human, him and sacrifice. Um, and more or less that that will be like preordained by the rulers of the state and um they were going to um i think they were basically sort of saying that they were going to be like selected from a like a ballot that was going to sort of give the impression that it was just by luck like who you got yeah they're talking about casting lots which i'm not Mm. sure exactly how that would have worked with the greeks but the idea is one way they used to do it is they would have a bunch of different straws of different lengths and then someone would hold it and you pull one out that's where yeah. the idea of pulling the short straw comes from whoever gets the shortest straw does the yeah. shitty job but it's that kind of thing um but yeah they're saying yeah people will think that they're engaging in this kind of random process where they hook up with some chick and he's like but that's yeah. it's not going to be random at all we're going to be deciding who who sleeps with who mm. yeah and that some people will get multiple partners too like the, the good horses will get this many uh, yeah. turns at being used <laughs> indeed, indeed. um yeah and, and i thought it was interesting because they said they, they didn't want people to get upset that they weren't getting a partner because they sort of said basically if you weren't up to scratch you weren't uh, you weren't gonna get a, yeah yeah mm. they weren't gonna put you on the, on the list so you'd be left on the sideline cursing or whatever so they said well, we don't want them to be angry at us so We'll just make out like it's random and, uh, you know, you missed out, huh? You know, uh, favor of the gods, I guess. But this is only at that Guardians level, right? Correct, yeah. yeah. How does breeding work for the other two levels? I think it's just normal. And do the ones that John West rejects goes to tier two or tier three? Like, how does that work? I I don't think so. It's just, uh, I think they, they just they'll just be selectively breeded out. So over time, there's probably going to be like less of them and that um, I suppose they're, um, they're going to be sort of, I mean, they talk about how um, like the numbers of people that they're going to have hook up at any one time will be determined by the needs of the state. So if there's war or famine or something that drives the fact that we need to restock our number of guardians, then we're going to hook more people up because we want to kind of like, get a few more sort of coming through the ranks. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, if we're going through a time of peace and we don't need quite so many, then they're probably going to have, you know, fewer. Um, the one child policy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it's quite fascinating. But uh, then, of course, we get to the, the, the sort of part about the common children, um, which is. Yeah, that's yeah, weird. It gets dark. It yeah. gets dark. Yeah, yeah it really does. Do you want to so, take us uh, through that a little bit, Ruben, what your thoughts are about the the next So bit? they've set up this situation where they're going to orchestrate who sleeps with who and then they start to talk about, well, what's going to happen to the children once they're born? Um, and he goes on to say, well, the officers will take the children of the better guardians to a nursery and put them in charge of nurses and living separately as part of the city. The idea being the children belong to the city, not the parents. So they'll prov- the city will provide and care for the child. And I was like, all right, okay, that's a little unconventional. So one might think, you know, it's a bit strange, but, you know, the kids are being cared for. That's nice. 
But then he goes on to say, the children of the inferior guardians, and this is the inferior garden, guardians, mind you, this is the people who are already, you know, top tier, considered top tier citizens. But mm-hmm. within that top tier, they're saying there are inferior guardians. This is the children of the inferior garden guardians and any defective offspring of the others will be quietly and secretly disposed of put away in some mysterious place yeah. is the way they put it or in our text anyway mm. yep one so just says disposed of <laughs> yeah so, I made a note with yours yeah. like just and it just, and it says, yeah they, they must be they, they yeah they must they must they must be if we are to keep our guardian stock pure and it's like yeah all right Adolf settle down <laughs> but again that's a spider idea <laughs> right so any yeah. any kids that were born and they're like oh this one doesn't look right off to the walls with you <laughs> i just yeah. didn't care so i don't yeah. think it's like while it's shocking like to think about to, to I think today's at the time it was, yeah. like it's probably less offensive to their ears than the whole women can have the same education and gymnastics rights that men do <laughs> yeah <laughs> that might be yeah you might be right yeah, I think they, they actually did sort of clarify further down the text when they said they would be um, effectively offered as sacrifice at the next festival or something like that. Yeah, wow. Um, I missed that. Yeah, because that well, makes it so much better. Yeah, I know, right? Well, because they were summing up about some um, children who were sort of uh, arrived at by means outside of the agreed methodologies. Um, so I think that's that just sort of summing that up. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty freaking grisly though. I mean, I don't know what kind of like good times people are going to be having. It's like, oh, we're going to get you guys together. This is this great festival or something. Yeah, look, we're going to go sacrifice 12 babies over here it's just before you guys go off and have your good time. I mean, you'd be like, dang, it's a bit of a, a, bit of a dampener. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. I, when you say I know it's a, it's a different time and all that sort of thing, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It seems pretty hard to get get your head around. I don't know if that was common or not. What's that? I don't Is reckon it was sacrifice to the gods. Yeah, but I think um, no, I think um, you're common. I don't know, but the classic. Um, Greek plays featured that idea pretty prevalently. Um, mm. Like they, they even oh, one of the main ones uh, where the I forget which king it is he heads across to fight Troy or whatever, and the waters are not you know the winds are not blowing their way, so they sacrifice a he sacrifices his own daughter I think to get the winds flowing so he can get over to Troy and fight them. Um, and then there's a whole other set of plays where where he uh, comes back and then his wife kills him because they sacrifice the daughter and then the son kills the, the mother for killing the, the father and all sorts of stuff. Kind of goes, once again, goes downhill. But um, yes, as, as far as common, I don't know, but it's certainly an idea that was uh, in the air, so to speak. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, uh, it's, I mean, it's in know. some of the old religions, the Babylonian ones, and um, not sure if I recall it being in the Egyptian ones, but yeah, it's certainly around. It was actually the uh, the opening um, thing for uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey too, if you remember. Um, so that was the uh, yeah. Was, was the character was getting? Uh, oh, it was a sacrifice. Okay. It was, and because uh, the Pythia uh, ordained 
that the the daughter needed to be sacrificed for i can't remember it was like the the, the greater good of sparta or something or other in their war efforts and um that, that's how that the game starts it's, uh, it's been a while since i've played it yeah yeah it's still still fresh in my mind as i'm playing through <laughs> <laughs> yeah i need to blow the dust off that game it's great although there's more valhalla updates coming so choose your poison there's more what more assassin's creed valhalla updates coming fair enough yeah i will come back to that one too i think but, uh... yeah uh, ruben you still haven't played it have you no i'm gonna wait till i get the the good xbox the new one the one that works uh, real good dude on the note mm. <laughs> <laughs> cool so from this point on they start talking about the uh eight the prime ages of uh breeding right yeah, so that was a good news story for me because apparently it's 25 to 45. <laughs> or 55, wasn't it? It was like pretty... I think it's like, 40. Mine says, from her 20th year to her 40th year. Yeah, that's for the ladies, but the men's were a different window. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we got yeah. a better window. Yeah, we got a, we got a much bigger window. <laughs> One 30th to 30th year to something else. Yeah, I'm trying to find it. Yeah. A man should be Get, oh, yes. then for the state from the time he passes his prime as a runner until he's 55. <laughs> they must have had some blue pills floating around. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they didn't have uh, some of the, you know, preservatives and food colorings that we've got. <laughs> I'm actually curious what they didn't the... didn't have uh... TV either. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious what the average uh, lifespan of was a uh, of a uh, Greek man at that point in time because um, it seems pretty optimistic off the back of this. Yeah, I don't know I if that's like the right number to look. Solid age back then. Like, isn't it with those older ages, the average lifespan was low? But if you made it past mm. a certain year, then it wasn't too bad. It's just heaps. Yeah, of I think it was close, something like close to a fifty percent of kids died before their first or second birthday yeah. or something. So. That's going to kill your averages, isn't it? <laughs> like, for, sure, for sure. Yeah, but I think if you made it past a certain age, then the life expectancy was actually, if you narrowed the numbers down to that, okay, you've made it to, say, 30, then beyond there was pretty good. And mm. I think there was a significant difference to in lifespans between city living versus country living in the middle in the middle ages anyway. This is, I mean, that's a little bit later. But... As in city living was longer? No, city living was apparently shorter, but that, I'm talking about middle ages, maybe. So uh, it might have, might have flipped. Disease and stuff. And... You think it's because out in yeah. the farm, you've got to keep moving and keep working. Yeah, you got to keep working. Probably, probably better access to fresh food, less disease, that sort of stuff. Yeah, good point. No COVID. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so they had real COVID back then. About... <laughs> yeah, true that. <laughs> So this is where they sort of came up with that uh, sacrifice bit. So saying any kids that were born outside those age brackets um, would be sacrificed as unholy, um, along with any child who was born outside of a unsanctioned marriage and any child that was formed under incest. Ooh, so here we go. Here's, here's, a, here's a topic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that's true because what, yeah, one of them raises like, oh, okay, all right. So if nobody knows who their kids are, and you got mm. fifty or five year olds breeding with potentially, you know, twenty, 20 year olds, year old. how yeah. do you know? 
Like, how do you know that's not your daughter? Could be problematic. So they have to come up with a system. Yeah, they have to come up with a system to avoid that. Trust uh, Socrates to have worked it all out, though, right? He did. He was right on it. He had an answer. So I can't quite exactly know what 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 he was, how this works. But the idea was that they would conceive at festivals, and then Mm. you know, you know, roughly after that festival, nine months later, a certain person would be born. So I think the idea was you would know your birth festival date. Um, and then yeah. you would know that somebody else's birth festival date, and you would know that that person would not be eligible for you to breed with. Is that roughly? I thought it was more because uh, the men hook up with younger women. They just had to, and their, their period of time from 30 to 55 is 25 years. So uh, technically their the year one child could have hit breeding age before they hit the end of their breeding age. So I think he's saying like you have to remember like in you know the year of the frog, uh, born in this three month window, yep. I can't touch any of those. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. I guess it's not. It probably doesn't matter anyway because it's all deemed by the um, by the rulers. So I'm guessing they're keeping tabs on this. I don't know. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. I suppose like this is something where we should start to talk about the fact that like with this business about having like common children and all this sort of thing, they start to bring this concept around that, you know, any children who are born from that festival in that period, when, when you yourself, um, begat, um, children, um, any children there would be considered to be your own. So you will start to refer to those children as your children whether they, because you won't know if they're yours or not yours, but they were conceived in that same time period. Um, and I guess that's one way of kind of like maybe making them remember in some sense as well, you know, right? Because like if they've, um, this kid's grown up and the whole time you've been calling him, you know, my child or whatever, you know, um, I guess that's going to be uh, playing on your mind when the, uh, when they sort of say, Hey, guess what? Uh, You've selected them for the uh, for the next festival or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hang on. It's all calling, just really been calling them my daughter for the last twenty years. Yeah, <laughs> it's just all really un, like Super unnecessarily wrong. complicated, isn't it? Like it's just all wrong. Yeah, it's all kinds of wrong, uh... and it, it doesn't stop. From what I can tell. Does it? It doesn't seem to stop siblings from accidentally breeding either, right? Uh, well, they didn't really talk about that. Yeah, but I think that could happen. Um, like, well, except for the fact theory. that they got different age. Group. I mean, you could. But if you I had, if you had like, you know, yeah. I, at thirty, I begat Bob, and then at forty, I begat Sally. Yeah, and then they both hit their prime age. Yeah. Like that could happen. Once thirty, how do you, how do you dodge that? You know. Yeah, that's true. That's oh. true. Yeah, man, there'd be uh, have to be some pretty tough uh, record keeping. And, yeah, uh, you wouldn't want to be the accountant. Oh, I forgot to carry the one. You know, and uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the mistakes will just get sacrificed at the next thing oh, anyway, right? Oh, it's so brutal. Oh, no. <laughs> oh well, that's what their cleanup formula is. <laughs> you know, if you forget to carry the one, then you know it's all good. It's just extra sacrifice material. No problem. Absolutely. Oh, oh, it's rough. It's so <laughs> it's rough. really rough. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, ironically, I'm uh, like, if this if, if this team. is 
<laughs> like if, if this is where Socratic logic leads you, then I think there's a mistake. Like there must be a mistake. Please tell me there's a mistake somewhere <laughs> in this line of logic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's funny that, it, I mean, you can understand that. I think in some senses he was more reluctant, like Tim was sort of saying, to talk about, yeah, um, having the women having their equal jobs. It's like this this part about sort of common children and common wives, eh, it's not such a big deal, you know, like, you know, in the... <laughs> It's yeah, that's a given. Weird. I mean, really. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think you also have to remember too. Like they're now they're talking about pure theory, and even totally. admittedly, even by their own, yeah, even by their own admission, they're like, this is not addressing whether this would be a, a real life possibility. True. Yeah. Correct. True, true, true. Yeah. But they do talk about what some of the benefits will be. So, I, I think it's hmm. worth having a quick look at that. So basically, um, they're always cared for. If someone. Like if a parent dies, um, yeah, there's five thousand other parents. Uh, if a child um, dies, yeah, the, uh, there's five thousand other children. Like, and then because you're handing off the child and it's getting looked after, you're then free to focus on your purpose and that sort of stuff. Yeah, that, well, I think I was sort of saying it's a, it's, a, it's an easy, easy life for the parents, and you know, parenting's hard work, and you're not having to do it, right? Yeah, pretty much. That's what they said. Um, yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. But I think the the main thing they're sort of talking about, though, with the um, the wives and family in common, was that they felt that this would be a way to have such a strong community where you're referring to everyone as your brother or your sister, and this group of people as your father or your mother, and that it it's going to just build such a, a tight community where they said that you know I think the words were something along the lines of you know you'd have to actually care for them not just in word but in deed and that you would treat these kids all as your kids and you would just have that more care and love or what have you for this community. And that by doing so, um, you're going to have this sort of unified feeling of like you're going to celebrate the, you know, the triumphs of your community as well as the tragedies together as a whole. So, you know, normally you have one family where, you know, you might have someone pass away and that family is sad and everyone else doesn't really care because it's not their family that's impacted. Whereas in this community, you know, if if somebody dies or something like that, they all care because it's all of their brothers or all of their sister. You share all your victories and you share all your um yeah. your losses. Yeah, mm, mm. yeah. So I guess from a purely abstract pos- <laughs> position, he's saying like, yeah, if you could make this work, this would be better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it also gets rid of other temptations too, like um, mm. you know, I need more to make sure my kid's successful or uh, I need to have kids to look after me when I get old. Yeah. It stops infighting too. Like, Oh, your kid did this to my kid or, mm. you know, your kid killed my kid. So now I'm going to kill you. Like all those sort of the blood feuds. Yeah. All those things vanish because it's all one and the same. Yeah. And because they've already got that sort of established uh, system as well around, you know, not having possessions and not trying to, there's no reason in some senses to really try and one-up anybody because you're all really sort of still just working towards that that common good and you're not going to get, you know, more gold and silver, you know, for whatever because you're not getting gold or silver at all anyway. Um, and you're not, I don't know, going to have people jealous of like, oh, you've got the most beautiful wife because... You know, you've got one for the sacrifice for the for the festival, and then next year it's somebody different. You know, and yeah. um, 
yeah so you you're right it's probably trying to remove that sort of possible jealousy or you know clashes over um stuff because there is no stuff you know you you don't have possessions so um you can't be trying to get more than someone else that's right it's like if if everybody's got nothing then nobody's got anything or if everyone's got what they need then nobody cares kind of thing yeah yeah but it also channels that parental instinct into the state rather than into Mm. your family Mm. so it makes the passion of those who are within the state for the state even higher because you'd know like somewhere out there is my real child i've got to protect this city because they're there you just don't know who they are yeah yeah Look, I, look, I, I think I think the whole thing is bloody horrific, but I can see the logic. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, it's not something I'd ever want to have a piece of, but no. um, I can see how it supports the structure of the state Yeah, in the desired ways that he's trying to make it do it. I think mm. I think that's the best way of saying that. Um, yeah, yeah and I think you've got a... ownership I, I, thing. And I think you've got to you zoom out again and remember the whole purpose of this is is a thought experiment to try to distill um, distill the idea of justice. I just wonder and if I this mean, is... Oh, sorry. Go. I thought you dropped up. No, no. no, go. Oh, I was just going to say, I wonder if this unravels once they zoom back down to the individual because they're looking at this sort of as a collective idea um, and that's what they're doing with justice, right? Is zoom out to the city and let's be writing. Zoom into the person... How do you zoom yeah. into the person with this? How, I don't how... think... I kind of... I, I, I don't know. We'll have to find out as we read on, but I feel like this is just like a... What do you call it? A, a detour. And I think they're just going to blow right past it. Yeah, I don't think they're going to zoom in on the individual in this one because if they do, it's just going to unravel fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting too. I mean... Sorry. Road noise. <laughs> um, I've you know, we're, we're looking about like sort of justice for the state and you have to sort of wonder about, you know, yeah, what is the justice for these people who don't really have any freedoms when you think about it? Um, well, they get to or, do their function uninterrupted. Yeah. When you, when you, yeah. When you consider that his, yeah, the conception of justice, yeah. What Tim said, look, it's that mm. they get to fulfill their purpose and they and get to fill it un- uninterrupted that. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But that's all you get is, yeah, to mind your own business. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, I, again, I know I've mentioned this previously, but I think the people who benefit the most out of this is the merchants and that second tier class in this state, because yeah, they don't I have to do so. any of this bullshit, other than the fact that they've got this warrior class who aren't basically take all the risk for them. Yeah, yeah, take all the risk aren't going to come after their gold or silver or harass them like too hard. They're probably going to pay, pay pretty solid taxes because this stuff would all be expensive to try and run a city where all of this stuff is paid for, for this class at the top. But I mean, the top's probably always taking it, but it's usually for, uh, you know, gold and silver and marble, whatever. That's right. At now, least in this system, it's regulated. For... Mm. You know, mm. it's, yeah, it's not about the accumulation of, of wealth. Yeah. So I just wonder, like, how many merchants they'd have, like, banging at the doors trying to get into their city because it'd be like, dang, how how good is the setup here? <laughs> These guys are crazy, yeah. but hell, it's pretty good. Yeah, more for us. 
Uh, yeah, I think you're right because they'd have people who are just pure manufacturers, you know, your farmers and, and all that sort of yeah. stuff. But it'd be those merchant class that'd be making the cashola. Heck yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they'd be the guys who are all the, you know, accessing all the luxury and stuff that, um, you know, the, the top class of the guardians won't be getting. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it would be, it'd be pretty amusing though, to see some merchant come in from the outside going, oh, how good is this? And then when he tries to go scare outside the rules and try to get a little something, something done on the side, try to bribe yeah. a guard. That and then the guard's just them. like, <laughs> just ends him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Well, I reckon um, we should conclude where we're up to. And I've got a little bit to read, which I think will do that. So um, he goes, do you remember, I said, how in the course of the previous discussion, someone who shall be nameless accused us of making our guardians unhappy. They had nothing and might have possessed all things to whom we replied that if an occasion offered, we might perhaps hereafter consider this question, but that as at present advised, we would make our guardians truly guardians and that we were fashioning the state with a view to the greatest happiness, not of any particular class, but of the whole. Yes, I remember. <laughs> so they're basically wrapping it up here. Um, so they're saying, so is the life of our protectors is made out to be far better and nobler than that of Olympic victors? Is the life of shoemakers or any other artisans or of husbandmen to be compared with it? Certainly not. So they think, again, like they've wrapped it up. Oh, okay, so for, for the women... And children, we've, we've, once again, we've nailed it. We're all good. Uh, <laughs> but then, the inquiry, I said, has yet to be made whether such a community be found possible as among other animals, so also among men, and if possible, in what way possible? So they've basically just gone, here's the answer. But does it work? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing's, um, yeah, so so far removed, I think, from any sort of real situation. And like, as we talked about, like from a, a thought experiment, it's it's fascinating. But yeah, it's a fair question, you know, could they actually do that and make it work, you know, like the whole thing? Yeah. In, in the real world. So that's uh, that's what we'll find out next week, I'm guessing. Yeah. Or not they they go back they and make it wipe work. the slate clean and we'll start again, right? <laughs> <laughs> if we do, like, how has this book survived two and a half thousand years? It's like the ultimate guide to trolling you by Plato. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, uh, let's, uh, let's wander up to our favourite uh, place for a nighttime beverage, being of the Lotus. Yeah, public pub philosophers. So a couple of things. Uh, first, today is the last day of the pre-70% lockdowns in Sydney. Uh, tomorrow, some restrictions are removed. Uh, some people are calling it Freedom Day. That's not what it is for me. Uh, I'm just calling it less tyrannical day. Uh, so, yeah, but anyway, that's exciting. So I'm planning to at least go see some people and maybe eat out somewhere um you know over the coming weeks um how about you guys um it's actually my uh, my mother-in-law's birthday tomorrow um so that's sort of working out well my wife's um organized to 
go to lunch with my, with you know a sister and brother and a mother, which they haven't been able to do obviously in all this sort of time. They've sort of uh, organized it in uh, in secret, so it'll be a surprise for her. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Oh, that's not nice. something you've been able to do for a long time. So that's nice. I'm not that fast. I'm keen to go for a, a long drive because I haven't been able to do that for a while in my little radius. So that's more so what I want to do. Awesome. How about you, Ruben? Any anything that you're looking forward to? Mate, I don't. I'm not actually sure how I feel about it. To, to, to me, like it just kind of feels like, like you said, like Freedom Day. I'm like, hang on. I, I know I have a pretty negative outlook on the whole thing, but to me, it just kind of feels like, hey, I've taken all your shit off you. Now I'm going to give you back like a tenth of it. You should be grateful. <laughs> the uh, Tyrannosaurus less. <laughs> oh, nice! Yeah. Very good. But having having said that, I'm I'm pretty well adapted to to not letting uh, like ridiculous shit like this affect my peace. So you know, I, I'm cool. I'll, I'll make the best of it, whatever it is. Mm. I'm, looking I'm, not, I'm not going to forget. I'm not going to forget. I'm not going to forget oh. what what they've done. I'm not forgetting <laughs> it. I'm sorry. Yeah, what is it? The North remembers. <laughs> the North remembers. Yeah, look, I don't know what it is. Maybe, maybe, look, it could just be purely psychological. Maybe it's because I'm six foot nine and I'm not used to being talked down to. But I just don't abide it. <laughs> like I, I can't handle it. I'm with you. I'm not, not going to see. I'm not going to be sit here and grateful for you giving me back my shit. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm, you know, I, I will say I'm looking forward to catching up with you guys face to face and having a beer. Mm. That would be mad. Absolutely. So, yeah, right on. Yeah. Hey, the pool's the pool's looking good. We get some good rain today. It's nice and full. We got all the levels back to where they need to be. So I'll have you guys over when we can. Nice. Got one ton of salt in there, mate. Oh, mate, I had to put so much salt in it. <laughs> oh, oh I, I, yeah, I, probably this. I don't know. We I discussed it with these guys. <laughs> probably not on the podcast. I don't think it was. I uh, I popped a hose in it to fill it up the other night and I went to sleep and forgot to turn the hose off so I <laughs> flooded my pool which um, if anyone knows anything about pools you it's going to it's going to wreck your salt levels yeah. <laughs> yeah so did the salt come out of the bag or was it from your tears when you got up the next day <laughs> like oh it's so salty what is <laughs> oh dear. like three hours of salt bay yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just visualize the pool as a giant piece of steak. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, um, a couple of other things. Um, guy we all know is in hospital at the moment, so just shout out to him. Um, hope you get well soon, Mick. Um, yeah, and last thing is, I don't know if I've talked about this with both of you, but um, I definitely have with Ruben. Um, Australian politics thinking about looking at that a little bit, maybe week by week. Um, so looking for some feedback from those of you listening about whether or not you'd find that interesting, uh, contemplating maybe reading the vision statement or the uh, you know overarching policies of one party per week. Um, and then once we're on the other side of this book, maybe doing a couple of uh, episodes just talking about you know where Australian politics is up to and uh, what political parties doing what both at a state and national level and um, just maybe explaining that system a little bit um, 
Yeah, if anyone if anyone listening has done any study in that area, I recommend some resources or some good books that kind of talk about the history of it and how it functions. That'd be much appreciated because I think, I, well, I personally would like to hook into that. I think that'd be good fun. How do you feel about that, Lachlan? I, I know that you were saying last week or the week prior that uh, you missed that sort of conversation. Is that something you'd be keen to do? Yeah, for sure, mate. Um, yeah, like I was just mentioning, I suppose, that it was something that I used to talk about with my grandfather quite a lot because he was pretty passionate on the subject. And um, it's just one of those things that, you know, you'd, you'd finish the meal and you'd sit and talk politics after dinner. And uh, it's not something I've, I've done for um, for quite a few years. So um, it seems like there's um, plenty of, uh, you know, food in the nose bag as far as like uh, content and uh, material <laughs> going around to talk about. So uh, if, why not? I'm happy to jump into that. Yeah, sweet. I think it'll be good. Um... It, I've, there's not a lot of things that talk about New South Wales level politics or state politics that are on the platforms that I usually look at mm. um, and they tend to, what it does seem to be there tends to be done by people from that political party um, it's very well maybe someone listening knows of, uh, of someone that sort of looks at it week by week uh, in a uh, I won't say non-biased because I don't think that exists, but in a not from one of the parties' perspective, relatively neutral. Yeah. So, anyway, I think that'll be fun. Um, so we'll probably blow the dust off that soon and see how we go. I think that's about it. If if you guys haven't got anything else to raise, no, I'm all good. I was just waiting to see if you had any news that you'd uh, bought a Triumph TR7 over the weekend, but. Uh... I was very. There's one for sale right now for under nine grand, which is almost half the price that they've been everywhere else. And I was so tempted to put my other car up for sale to try and sell and buy, but it looks so good, Jim. Looks so good. I know, I know. But my kids love the car I currently have, and a TS7 has two seats, not four. So I'm just gonna have to be patient and save up my pennies and buy one yeah. when I hit old age. <laughs> and you know it'll be cheap then anyway because you'll probably only have about three more years of being able to drive it legally before all combustion engines are banned anyway <laughs> you'll have a little bit longer you'll have a little longer uh, 2050 will come up when you're pretty I remember 2000 pretty clearly and that's 21 years ago <laughs> yeah, Ouch. yeah just think about it that way that's uh <laughs> Well, you know, how old will you be in 2050 when they reckon there's no more combustion engines in England? Uh, 2050, uh, what's that going to make me, um, 70? Yeah, I'm hoping that I can still drive at that age, you know. Yeah. Some of our babies might be taken off us by then. <laughs> Not on our watch. Trying it from my cold, dead hands. Yes, yeah, we'll be waving our walking frames at them, protesting. <laughs> <laughs> walking around with the wheel you know like. <laughs> yeah, you kids can't even drive with a steering wheel anymore <laughs> that's it they're manual yeah they're like gears that's right <laughs> uh, sad alright well um, let's wrap it up there so uh, to those of you uh, listening or watching thank you for joining us and remember the Republic wasn't built in a day and neither middle aged men and have a great week we'll see you next time alright let's catch up yeah.